and welcome to the Bent Biblios podcast. I'm Tegan. And I'm Ashley. On today's episode, we are talking to our friend and local librarian, Megan Bowman, about all things library. Libraries are such an invaluable resource, and we are exploring their benefits, services, and how we can all support our local libraries. Today, we are joined on the podcast by Megan Bowman, a friend, former bookseller, and current librarian. Welcome, Megan. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, So I am a public services librarian. I work primarily with children and teens. I love it. It's such a fun job. Um, I originally worked in a bookstore, which I discovered about library school and that it was a thing and that it was probably my niche. Um, I, I love books and have loved books for as long as I can remember. I am a mom of two boys and I love poutine. Poutine, <laughs> a good Canadian food. And we all actually met working at the bookstore. We all worked at the bookstore together. Books brought us all together. That's for sure. <laughs> what has brought about your love of books and how has that grown over the years? Honestly, I, like I said, I've loved books for as long as I can remember. I have these, these really deep, deep rooted memories of um, rooting through all of my, my mom's old childhood books that she had left in boxes in my grandparents' basement. I can still remember the way that all of them smelled. I would sit in there for hours just looking through all of the books that she had kept and reading them myself. I, I've just always found comfort in books and just the way that they smell and the way that they feel in my hands. It's just always been something that I've been just extremely drawn to. I, I remember the first book I ever learned how to read all by myself. And it was Dr. Seuss's One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget <laughs> it. I just, and honestly, I, I have this memory in grade three of I used to collect Arthur books, Arthur by, um, I'm drawing a huge blank on his, on his name. His last name is Brown. I would collect all of these Arthur books and I would bring them to school. And during silent reading, I would share them with my friends and we would all take turns reading them and swap them. So really I've been a librarian since like the tender <laughs> age of maybe seven or eight. <laughs> See, mm-hmm. Ashley knows this about me. I have a hard time lending out my books if I love them. So you're always meant to be a librarian. <laughs> I don't think I am because I'm way too uh, oh, they territorial. They would not take those puppies okay. off. It was okay. just like during school hours, we would, while sitting at our desks, we would swap. And then as soon as somebody was finished reading, then, you know, we'd swap again. And it was just, it's good times. Supervised book visitation. Lots of sharing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I re- I remember reading um Munch too was one of my early <laughs> memories. Like there was the Seuss books and then Munch. Um, so like I remember Purple, Green, and Yellow. Did you read that one where it was the girl with all the markers and she colors all over herself? No, I don't know if I remember that one. No, I just thought it was so great that she <laughs> completely colored herself. <laughs> um, that is every kid's dream. Yeah, but I I did route through my um go up north and there was the guest suite at my grandparents' cottage was this boathouse and so there was beds and there was this one bunk bed that had a shelf underneath it and they had a whole bunch of Berenstein bears and mm-hmm. critters books and I would just sit there same memories like you where it just felt special. Yeah, those and those memories are the best because you were you remember them 
in a way that just, it just brings back so much nostalgia. So even as a librarian now, like the books that I recommend to young kids are oftentimes are books that I just fell in love with as a child myself. I still have my whole Bernstein Bears collection yes, and the Muppets. So Do you guys good. remember the Muppets books? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and Little Critter. Yeah. So many yeah. of the books that I loved, I bought for, for my kids because I just, I want them. I have the hopes that they'll experience them the same way that I did. And even if they don't experience them the same way they've got their own favorite stories mm-hmm. so it's really it's really cool to see them develop their own love of reading too yeah I did save quite a few books for my kids yeah you have Hoping. to we'll see they're still up because they're a bit old for them yet like there's a lot of nine to twelve age yeah. range books that I save but I don't know we'll see So you decided to become a librarian. Yes. What led you to that decision and what are your favorite parts of the job? So I didn't realize that you had to go to school to be a librarian. This is just, that was news to me. And I feel like a lot of people, when I share that with them, they're shocked to know that you actually need a master's degree to be a librarian. So I didn't know that that was even a thing, really an option for me until I I found out at work when I was working at at the bookstore with you guys, everyone was kind of just chatting about library school and how they wanted to do it. And so I was just like, pardon, like, what is this? There's a library school. What is this? I need to know. And then I just knew I have to do this. This, this is for me. I need to do this. So I I applied and I got in, it was like the universe just had to make it happen. It was, it was meant to be. So I got in right away. I did my master's in one year with a toddler at home, which I am so proud of myself for doing because it wasn't easy. And it just, it was so worth it. It was so worth it. So my favorite parts of the job really are just all of the interactions with the kids and seeing how much they love stories and the impact that it has on them and their early development. And when you see that happening, when you realize that like the programs that you're offering are making a difference, it just, it feels really good. It feels really good knowing that you're doing something that you love and it's having a positive impact on the community. So some of my favorite things are obviously just the programs that we offer. Like I love doing the story times. They're so much fun. And the kids, especially during COVID, because things were very, very different programming wise during the pandemic. So normally we would have kids come into the library space and we'd sit together and we'd read and we'd do all these fun extension activities afterwards and we'd interact. During COVID, it was very, very we could feel that disconnect. It's different when you're doing a virtual program and you can't actually see the children sitting in front of you. They did interact with me a lot online through comments and things like that. But what really, really um, made it really special was that a lot of these kids would show up to the library looking for me. The person who was offering these online story times, they wanted to see Megan in the flesh. So a lot of the time, like they didn't, they couldn't see my face because it was covered by a mask, but they, a lot of people recognized my voice. Like if we were doing the curbside pickup, people would be like, um, do you do story time? Because I recognize your voice and that's special. So it's just, it's just getting the feedback from people that I really, really love too, knowing that, that they're enjoying it, that they look forward to it. So the programs are definitely one of my favorite things to do working with the library. Yeah. Um, the library school, definitely. I don't know if you know that I actually was briefly in uh, the library science program. I remember you mentioning that. And I was like, this, 
this maybe goes back to me saying I'm not able to share my books. <laughs> I was never <laughs> meant to be a librarian. I mean, while well, it kind of seems like a prerequisite that you like books doesn't necessarily mean that if you like reading that you're meant to be a librarian. And I discovered that because I could see how passionate you are about it. And while I was doing it, I was like, <laughs> I don't think this is for me. And so, yeah, I left before first term was over. And it is a tough program. It is. It is tough. It's just a lot of work. It's it's a lot of a lot of reading and a lot of trying to to figure out how you can reach different demographics effectively. And I mean, yeah, you can definitely love reading and not necessarily want to be a librarian. There's, there's no shame in that. It's because it's not just about that. It's not just about loving reading. There's so much more to it than that. It's, it's really a lot about like evaluating the communities that you work within and being able to fill all the gaps and, and reach people in a way that they wouldn't normally be reached because the library isn't just books either. A lot of it, there's a lot of connecting people with resources. It's a lot about really just helping people be literate and more than just reading ways. Like there's like, there's so many different types of literacy, like there's technological literacy and then there's, yeah, like language literacy. There are, there are lots of people that come to the library and don't use the books at all. They just need help with all the other things. Well, that leads us into our next question. Um, libraries are such an integral part of any community. Can you talk about the importance of having access to libraries and the services that libraries offer? Yeah. So it is so important to have access to libraries because like I said, libraries are not just about the books. They're about having a safe space. Libraries are a safe community space, whether it's for picking out books for your children, being a new mom and needing to connect with other new moms through books for babies and story time. Or if, I mean, if you're a newcomer and you're you're new to Canada and you want to access some of the settlement services that are offered through the library, or even some of the programs that we offer, like conversation circles for, for newcomers who don't speak any English. The library is like, it has computers, it has photocopiers, it has printers. A lot of people don't have access to internet at home. So they come to the library to check their email or to print off the things that they need for unemployment or like all of those things that you don't even really think about if you are privileged enough to have access to those things from home. Yeah. And what are some of the services that libraries offer that a lot of people don't know about? Because like you said, a lot of people, when they think of the library, they think books or computers or checking out movies, et cetera, but they don't always necessarily think of the other things. Like I know there's access to so many different databases yes. virtually with your library card. I think that recently genealogy databases have become available for free. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the library is constantly looking for different ways to add to those databases to keep them relevant to keep people engaged. So yeah, the genealogy is a big one. Um, during COVID, they made it so that you could actually access it from home before for the longest time, it was you had to be within the library space and connected to the library Wi-Fi to be able to access a lot of that. But they changed that because obviously people couldn't get out of their houses and come to the library. There's also a lot of resources on there for young children learning to read, which is great. Things like Pebble Go that will read out loud to you and you can read along with it. There's a lot of resources for people learning new languages. Um, we have a program called Mango Languages that I, I don't even know how many languages are on there, but there's a lot and they teach you how to speak another language, but from the perspective or the angle rather um, of the language that you normally speak. We also have really cool things that you can borrow and it's not just books. So we have books, obviously we have 
audiobooks, we have um, ebooks, we have all those fun things. We have bags that you can take if you're learning a new English. They're called English to go bags and they're awesome. You can borrow board games from the library. You can borrow passes to all of Ontario's provincial parks, which is really cool. And you can also borrow Wi-Fi hotspots. Now this is a really, really fun one because there's a lot of people that don't have access to internet, but they have devices. You can borrow a Wi-Fi device and bring it home with you and have access to Wi-Fi from wherever you are. A lot of people will borrow them and bring them up to their cottages. You can borrow the internet and bring it home with you. And it's really, really cool. So you Um, mentioned um, some of the changes earlier that COVID has kind of pushed along different ways of connecting with people. How do you envision libraries five years from now? And then even like 30 years from now? That's a tough one because the libraries are always changing based on the needs of the community. They're always trying to stay relevant. They're always trying to just keep up with the way that that the world is changing and which is the library is great for that. They're really, really good at, at getting the newest things so that people can still access the things that they need. But in terms of how things have changed and how it might affect libraries in the future, I think that a lot of the changes that have happened during COVID have been pretty positive ones. They've, they've been challenging. A lot of people miss being able to come into the library space and interact in a physical manner, but being able to experiment with some of the virtual stuff has been really cool in a sense that we've had a lot of people access library resources that would have never have come to the library before. And even for things like the, the virtual programs that we were offering, all of these kids are stuck at home doing their online learning. They're, they're just getting so tired of it. But then we could offer fun programs to kind of break up that time in between. And as much as that does, I mean, it doesn't really help that they're then getting double the screen time, but it was just a fun way to connect with people because we were getting a lot, a lot of engagement with those online programs. These programs were filling up. Like we recently offered an Among Us murder mystery program that we ended up having to offer two extra times because there were so many kids that were waitlisted and we felt bad for them that they wouldn't get to participate. So we just, we just made new sessions and we just added them in and did it again. So it, there were a lot, like I said, a lot of challenges with feeling like we weren't reaching people in a way that was meaningful, but then realizing afterwards that we kind of were, and I could see things like this carrying on in the future in the sense that we could offer a story time in person, but also online for those families that want to come and have that in-person experience, but also the families that maybe don't have transportation and can't get to the library. How can people support their local libraries right now? Right now, honestly, just using the library. And, and reminding the public that, that libraries are important because the more that the libraries are used and the more programs are accessed and the more feedback we can get, the more funding we can receive for the, the, the next year to be able to continue to run programs and continue to write up these really incredible reports so that when we do, like when the, like when the city does all their stuff where they rebalance all of like the, the funding that's being allocated to all of the different services, the library fits in there and we can continue to put money towards services that people need and services that people use and things that people want. Because without without the patrons, there is no library. So we need the people. <laughs> and I'm assuming monetary donations are still being accepted as yeah. well online. Yep. So we, we're still accepting monetary donations and people are still able to, for the most part, donate. A lot of people will donate books. Mm-hmm. They're mostly just being accepted downtown right now because they kind of just add them to the friends of the library book sales and things like that, which then that money can also be used to help with with different 
library funding and programs and stuff like that. So really, yeah, the best way to support the library is to just keep using it. People need to just keep using the library. Yeah, one uh, one year, it was a few years ago, I think three, and I was cleaning out my library. You wouldn't know looking at it that I cleaned it out ever, but I donated <laughs> over 300 books. So they gave me a special invitation to like the preview night and everything because I donated. And most of wow. my books, especially because I worked at the bookstore, they were like, and you guys know me, like folding pages, don't do condition. it. Yeah. yeah, like perfect condition. Yeah, I donated over 300 books and they came here and picked them up because obviously I couldn't cart that many anywhere. That's incredible. Um, also, people who dog ear books are monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I am with you. I am with you on that. And mass markets, I understand the spines have to crack. Oh, relax with the rest of them. It hurts my soul. (laughs) Like, I kind of like seeing the crack because it means that it's like a well-loved book. But like when it's my book that I've just bought, like I will like open it so tiny just so that I can avoid cracking it. Yeah. That's why I I love the price of mass market, but I prefer trade because then I don't have to worry about the spine. (laughs) Oh, and I'm, I go extra with my books. Like if there's a book, generally speaking, if it's not a hardcover that I can take the dust jacket off, if my husband wants to read it, I buy him his own copy. <laughs> like he gets his own copy. Them. Yeah, Poor mine, guy. Will the, mine will take the dust jacket off and then I never see it again. It's, oh. Like he likes to read books. Like it's like he likes naked books, which whatever you like taking the jacket off. You like to read, you like to read naked books, but then like put it back on when you're done with it. <laughs> And that hurts my soul. Yeah. I know. The island of lost dust jackets. Yeah. Like, I just, who knows where they are? They're probably, they're somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> Jacket without a book. I'm just picturing the sad island. I, that would be a good children's story. You're welcome. Reuniting the book with its jacket. <laughs> All right. So what are a couple of your favorite books or authors? So Harry Potter, hands down. I love Harry Potter. And that was like, like, I always loved reading, but Harry Potter became such an escape for me when I was younger, just dealing with my life. And like, I, I would daydream about Harry Potter flying to my bedroom window on a broomstick and just like offering to take me to Hogwarts. Like I would <laughs> imagine it happening. I'm still waiting for my Hogwarts letter. I think, though, that it just got lost during the Battle of Hogwarts. A lot of, like, the Muggle-born documentation was destroyed in the war. So, you know, that's obviously what happened. So <laughs> I love Harry Potter. I love a lot of the classics, like Anne of Green Gables. And I love the Boxcar Children and all of those books that I read when I was a kid that my mom had saved. I love those. And those have such a, a safe space in my heart that, you know, they'll always be there. Favorite authors right now, though, I'm really feeling Sarah J. Mass. So um, I'm reading her newest book right now, The Court of Silver Flames. It's like it's the newest book in her series. I love these books because they're like they have like it's very fantasy based. Um, But they're also it's also like a modern day fantasy take on Beauty and the Beast. So that's how it starts off. And then it just it just progresses from there. There's so much world building, so much character development. And there is like things get really hot and heavy often. And I really enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) It was cataloged as as a YA book. So like young adult, like so teens. So Parents would come in and they'd be like, I'm looking for a book for my 13 year old, 14 year old. Like, where can I find the teen books? And I'm like, oh, right over there. But just so you know, (laughs) 
there's quite a range of, of teen books in there. So it really depends on like the maturity level of your child, like what they can handle emotionally. Like there's, there's some things in there that are just like very, very explicit. And depending on what your child can handle, <laughs> they, the library had to recatalog these books as adult because of oh, how, wow. yeah. yeah. So, so they were, they used to be teen and they're not anymore. So, and I can see why, and I still appreciate them. Yeah. A lot. I have the first three books in that series on my bookshelf downstairs and I haven't read them. Oh my so God, fun. Ashley, you need to read them. You're <laughs> like, I've read them several times. Kate, I just want to say, um, so book two, yes, book two, chapter 55 is going to change your life. It's really cool. So like there's this girl and she lives in this, in these like human lands, but then there's like a big wall separating her world from the Fey lands. And there's this war that happened hundreds of years ago and humans and Fey, like they don't interact. They're just, there's like laws in place. They just don't even interact. There's like treaties and stuff that they can't be broken and, or that, that can't be broken. But somehow their worlds collide. This, this girl and this Fey, this Faye, man, this has an intense storyline, which is like pockets of like treats in there. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to read it. For and sure. it's so good. It's just, it's really, really well written. Sarah J. Mass is just, I love the way that she writes. So another, <laughs> another book series that I really, really loved is the Magicians Trilogy by Lev Grossman. I love that series and I've read it like three times over. How do it, you feel about the TV adaptation? I thought the TV adaptation was actually pretty good. I really liked it it's pretty different it strays far like pretty far from the books but I liked that because then it was it was unpredictable for me to watch so what are you currently reading right now so right now I'm reading the Sarah J Mass book the court of silver flames um it's taking me a little longer than I would like to read just because I've got a three-week-old baby at home now so I usually will just read a little bit before bed and then I just like I'm just sleep deprived the next morning. So I just, I can't, like, I'm just a slow reader right now. Right now it's just slow. But I it's feel definitely- like with a three week old baby, the fact that you're finding time to read it all is an accomplishment. So I, I wouldn't call yourself a oh slow reader. I just, I need it. It's like my self care. Like I remember to shower. I remember to eat. And I remember to read like a couple chapters of my book. <laughs> like whenever someone tells me they don't like reading, I'm like, no, that's not true. You're lying. You love it. You just haven't found the right one. to go back to harry potter for a second it's the most important question you'll be asked today so what house do you think you would be (gasps) okay so i've always identified with ravenclaw but pottermore sorted me into hufflepuff so i'm like i'm like a huffleclaw there we go (laughs) what are you thinking me um i'm in between like i get sorted it depends I think it's changed over the years. I think it was Hufflepuff and then it was more towards like, sometimes it's been Gryffindor and sometimes it's been Ravenclaw. Oh, they probably sort you into Gryffindor because they can sense that you're a redhead. You belong with the Weasleys. Maybe. What about you, Ashley? I get consistently sorted into Ravenclaw. I love that. You know what? I like, I think that what I love about Ravenclaw is that like, they're very bookish, but also the description of their common room, like all the stars and how it's in the tower. Like, I just feel like that's just where I would feel most comfortable. But also then like JK Rowling released a description of the Hufflepuff common room and that's right next to the kitchens. And that speaks to me in like a really 
<laughs> I can. I think. I think I'm good with any of those now. Yeah, like I just feel like there's something for everyone. We can just we'll we'll give all the houses a try and just just see what happens. I don't know if I'd want to be in the Slytherin one though under that lake. That just seems too dark and secluded, yeah. too cold. Yeah, I need like a little that. bit of sunshine. Yeah, then you know what? We all belong in Hufflepuff because like that that common room's a pocket of sunshine. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tag us on Instagram at Bent Biblios Podcast and share your library halls with us. 